888-528-5732. You're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno. We did make that match just by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Just made that match. Stay tuned for a special program coming right up here on KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno. And thank you, Philip. We are now going to special programming uh, in place of Cover to Cover. Cover to Cover, of course, comes to you five days a week in this time slot and will return next week once our fun drive is over. My name is Sasha Lilly. I'm KPFA's Interim Program Director, and I'm very pleased to present uh, some excerpts of a number of wonderful speeches that will be available uh, for your pledge to KPFA. The first is by Tim Weiss, who is speaking about issues of race um, and whiteness. And coming up later, we will hear from Molly Ivins. But first, we go to Tim Weiss. I love coming to places like California. And I look out and I see this sea of people that are just so wonderfully diverse. That word we like to use, it means everything and nothing at the same time. And you're all sort of chilling together and you're feeling the love and it's the Bay Area and y'all are so wonderful. But I have this thing and I have to ask it of everyone at any presentation I give in this kind of a room, in this kind of a space, in this kind of a town. And that is, even as I look out and I see all of this quote unquote Diversity and all these folks that just love each other so much. The question that always comes up for me and it should come up for you when you're in rooms such as this, listening to speeches such as this one is, are we prepared? And I mean all of us, not just some of us. I mean, are we prepared no matter how much we're willing to sit next to folk, break bread with folk, chill with folk, hang out with folk, go out with folk and love on each other? Are we prepared to hear the kinds of things that I'm about to say in the next hour that I have to say them when they are said not by me, but when they are said by people of color, which I assure you they have been said by since breakfast many, 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 many times. Maybe not to white folks because black and brown folk might have known that white folks were not up for listening, but most assuredly to themselves and among themselves. Are we prepared to hear it? Because after all, it's either true or it's not true, irrespective of the speaker. Are we prepared to hear it when it is said by someone who doesn't fit the aesthetic that is sometimes needed in order to be taken seriously? See, I'm fully aware why I get to do 85 of these gigs a year. Now, my mama would like for you to believe that it is just because I am the brightest bulb in the box, because that is how mamas are. It reflects well on them if they're able to sell you on that particular interpretation of their child's success. And this culture would probably like me to take credit for my stuff, too, because that's the society in which we live, which tells us if we've done really well and are at the top of our game, then that's all about us, man. So we should take credit for that. But I think I hope I know that I know better and I hope that you know better and I hope that you know that I know better because I can as we say in the south talk real good and I can write pretty well but I don't get 85 engagements a year around this country because of that it is because I fit that aesthetic 
It is because certain truths are more palatable when spoken by certain peoples. And the only way that we are going to know that we have really made any substantial, significant, underlying transformational progress in this country is when all of these truths can be spoken by the black and brown peoples in this room and in all the other rooms this evening. Those persons of color who know these truths and who have spoken them for generations and have died to acquire the wisdom that underlies them, but who are regularly ignored. And when that day comes, then we will not have to listen to white men like me any longer, except insofar as we might be and hopefully will be prepared to stand up and speak as allies in that ongoing struggle for overall transformation and justice. But but we are not there yet. And that will be the biggest understatement that I will make this evening. And the reason we are not there yet is sadly the reason that we have not been there previously. See, some things change and a hell of a lot stays the same. The biggest problem, and it is not something which I enjoy saying or enjoy acknowledging, and yet it is something which must be acknowledged if we are to have an honest conversation about this subject matter, is that... The biggest obstacle right now to not just the discussions that we need to be having about race and racism, but the actual action, activism and movement activity that we need in order to undo institutional white supremacy. The biggest obstacle to that, it appears to me at this point in time, is what it has always been. And that has been the unwillingness of, I won't say inability of, because I think that would be inaccurate, but the unwillingness, apparently, of white America to acknowledge the fundamental basic reality that black and brown America, America of color, experiences. And I know that when I say that white America is not prepared to accept that reality, there are always some white folks that sort of get tripped up on that. So let me just do a little side note thing that I do, which is that when I say white folks or white America, these big sort of corporate overarching terms, let me just make real clear, I don't mean like every single little white person ever walked the face of the planet. It's just that we as white people are not used to what black and brown folk call race talk. Race talk is this thing where like it isn't about you. It's about this larger institutional thing. And so when people of color talk about white folks, they don't necessarily mean like they're not thinking, they don't have your face in mind. They... So, so we need to sort of let that go, because it isn't always about us. There's an old saying in this work that if what I'm saying doesn't apply to you, why in the hell are you getting so defensive? See, just let it go. So, that said, back to the point, white America, corporate sense, writ large, does not want to address or even recognize and acknowledge the fundamental basic truth that folk of color experience. And that is both now and in the past. Let's talk about now. A few years ago, in the Newsweek, I believe it was News, might have been Wall Street Journal, one of them, does a poll where they ask white folks if we believe that racial discrimination against peoples of color was still a significant national problem in this country or whether it was just a problem, you know, like junk mail, wrong number at 2 a.m., bad weather, flat tire, you'll get over it. It's a problem, but you're not going to lose a lot of sleep. Was it not a problem really at all, or did you just not know? Those were the options. And sadly, only 6%, that is to say 6 out of 100 white folks said that it was still a significant national problem. Now, about 20 percent, a whopping one out of five, were willing to admit that it was a problem. So, you know, we, we're almost there. 
um, but only 6% were willing to grant that it might be a significant national problem. Needless to say, uh, people of color felt a little different. <laughs> there was quite a divide, actually, on this. That won't shock you. I'm sure that's not news. Six out of 100, just to give you an idea of how pathetic this is, in case we're clear, uh, a couple of years before that, there was another poll taken where 12% of white folks said, we thought there's a pretty good chance Elvis might still be alive. So, uh, so, so for those of you who aren't like really good with math and, and probability ratios and all kinds of deep stuff like that, let me just break it down for you. I'm not good with that stuff either. This is the easy calculation though. It means that white folks are approximately twice as likely to believe, and don't you know we wish it were true. That Elvis was still alive than to believe what people of color say they experience on a fairly regular basis. Now, that is denial of a most profound kind. And see, some folk and some good folk, man, some good people really had it in their head that this was all going to change after Katrina. Because right? I'm not kidding you, man. I got emails from people that said and, the, and really well-meaning people that said, you know, this is a horrible, tragic thing, but the one good thing that might come of this, this is actually the phraseology that I heard. You might have heard similar kinds of comments was that this will finally rip back the veil of denial and ignorance. <laughs> right, 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 right. But 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 at the time, it sounded like that made sense to some people. And they said, this is going to do it, man. This is the thing that's going to open people's eyes. And that is an excerpt from a speech by Tim Wise given earlier this year in February in Berkeley. And uh, it is part of KPFA's 7-CD sustainer pack, which is can be yours for your pledge of $120 to KPFA. If you pick up your phone and call 1-800-439-5732, that's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or if you're in the East Bay, 510-848-5732, the sustainer pack has seven CDs of speeches, seven speeches, one by Tim Wise, as you just heard a part of, Howard Zinn, Tarek Ali, Michael Eric Dyson, Greg Pallast, Wangari Matai, and Molly Ivins. And uh, we're going to um, go back to some of the audio uh, for um, a speech by Molly Ivins speaking. She gave the Mario Savio Memorial Lecture in Berkeley. And uh, then, uh, but it is not too... Um, late to put your uh, pledge in for uh, to get your very own 7-CD set of this um, sustainer pack. Again, 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732, and now we go to Molly Ivins. <laughs> One of the people who taught me about freedom fighting was uh, the late John Henry Falk, a dear friend of mine. And... Uh, there's a story I want to tell you all about Johnny. I know that many of you knew him, knew of him, uh, one of the great heroes of this state. But one of the things you may not know about John Henry is that he had, at one point in his life, a career in law enforcement. In fact, Johnny was in the Texas Rangers. Indeed, he was a captain in the Texas Rangers. He was six at the time. And his friend Boots Cooper, who was seven, was the sheriff. And the two of them used to do a lot of serious law enforcement out behind the Falk family home in South Austin. And one day, Johnny's mama, having two such very fine law enforcement officers right there on the property, said to him, boys, I want you all to go down the hen house and get that chicken snake out of the hen house. 
Johnny and Boots were excited at this, having a big exci- assignment like this. They galloped down there on their brooms. They tethered their brooms. They went in the hen house. They looked through all the nests on the bottom shelf of the hen house. And they could not find the chicken snake. Now, they were of an age and of a size where to see up on the second shelf of the hen house. They had to stand on tiptoe to see if a snake was there. And it was. I myself have never been nose-to-nose with a chicken snake, but I always took Johnny's word for it that it will just scare the living out of you. <laughs> Scared Johnny and Boots so bad, they both tried to get out of the hen house at the same time, doing considerable damage to both themselves and the hen house door in the process. And uh, they came trailing back up to the porch, all shamefaced. Miss Falk been watching this. She was kind of amused. She said to him, boys, boys, what is wrong with you? You know perfectly well that a chicken snake will not hurt you. And that's when Boots Cooper said this semi-mortal thing. He said, yes, ma'am, but there's some things that scare you so bad you'll hurt yourself. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's what happens again and again in this country, in this state. We get so scared, so scared of some terrible menace. So scared of communism or crime or illegal immigrants or pornography or AIDS. We get so scared that we hurt ourselves. We think somehow we can make ourselves safer by making ourselves less free. Now, it's a logical proposition that clearly doesn't hold a drop of water. But it's surprising how consistent that reaction is. When we get terribly afraid of some menace out there, We think we can make ourselves safer by just whittling away a little at the Constitution. Just whittling away a little at the Bill of Rights. We'd all be safer if we're not so free. And I think that we are, once again in this country, going through one of those fits of fear that cause us to hurt ourselves. And... um, it's my observation in looking at things these days that perhaps the most frightened people in America are Christian fundamentalists. And uh, I think that in their fear, in many ways, they are fixing to do terrible damage to all of us and the Constitution. You know, one of the advantages of being from East Texas is that I was born and raised amongst Footwashing Baptists, and they are my friends, my neighbors, my kinfolk. Uh, They make wonderful neighbors, by the way. They still visit the sick. Um, They're wonderful people. Um, They're just frightened. And in their fear, uh, they think that they can make themselves safer by going back and rewriting some fundamental parts of the Constitution. As you all know... um, And I also think that um, part of their fear is their sense of alienation and distance from the larger mainstream culture. And it does seem to me that those of us who pride ourselves on being empathetic and tolerant and being able to look at the world from other people's points of view have a bit more of a responsibility to reach out to them than do those people who make no such claims. And so I'm particularly pleased, and I think this should be handled by the uh, mainstream religious folks, uh, to see people like um, C.O. Richards and others building up local organizations where 
your mainstream Christians talk to your uh, born again Christians and try and get a few things straight. Uh, but having said all that, in sympathy with them and, and uh, fondness for them, uh, let me also say that I see no reason to let these blue-bellied nincompoops screw up the Constitution. <laughs> which, um, they are certainly in the process of doing. Uh, as you know, if you ever talk with uh, fundamentalist uh, Christians with religious right. Uh, the first thing they will tell you is that nowhere in the Constitution of the United States do the words separation of church and state appear. It's quite true. They're not in the Constitution. Uh, however, uh, those of you who are familiar, I know you all are with the First Amendment, know that the very first of all the rights enumerated, in the very first of the ten parts of the Bill of Rights, is freedom of conscience. And I am one of those people who believe that the founders made no mistakes, that none of that is by accident. The Establishment Clause is a two-parter, as you all know. Uh, it says that um, government in this country shall never interfere with the practice of religion, nor promote the practice of religion. And the intent of the founders, should anyone un be unable to interpret the Establishment Clause clearly, uh, it was explained by one, one of my favorite founders, uh, James Madison. Like most liberals, I started out worshiping Thomas Jefferson, and the longer I live, the more I think of Mr. Madison. In 1804, Madison wrote a letter in which he, he wrote in that magnificent 17th century language none of us can replicate today. The purpose of separation of church and state is to keep forever from these shores the ceaseless strife that has soaked the soil of Europe in blood for centuries. And still does today. You look at the soil of Bosnia soaked with blood. Some of it apparently comes from Muslim virgins being raped as a matter of policy by their Christian neighbors. Forever from these shores, the ceaseless strife that has soaked the soil of Europe with blood for centuries. I think that principle is so important that it is worth being a pain in the ass about. And I assure you that is what it requires. Every year we have the fight over the religious symbol in the public place. And every year, you know, all the ACLU and those guys always file suit against some citizen who in a slight excess of seasonal joy and goodwill has put up a religious symbol on public property. And every year we are like the Grinch that stole Christmas. There we are suing their asses again. Every year I say to them, couldn't you at least wait until after New Year's? But these people have no sense of public relations, no. I remember one time they put up a manger right here in the Capitol, and uh, I was calling around to get reaction from our state officials. Ann Richards was then the state treasurer. I said, Ann, what do you think? Does the manger have to go? She said, oh, I hate to see them take the manger out of the Capitol. Could be the only chance we'll ever get to have three wise men in that building. <laughs> to suggest to you here is that as we uh, 
fight to maintain uh, the right and uh, freedoms enumerated in the Constitution, and particularly in the Bill of Rights. Um, even though this is real important heavy it doesn't mean we can't have fun doing this stuff. And that is an excerpt of the wonderful, late, muckraking journalist Molly Ivan speaking at the Mario Savio Memorial Lecture in Berkeley. Of course, uh, the lecture named after the um, legendary leader of the free speech movement and the uh, lectures organized by a good friend of KPFA, Lynn Hollander Savio. And uh, this speech, Molly Ivan speaking at the, uh, giving the Mario Savio Memorial Lecture, is available to you for your pledge of support to KPFA as part of a sustainer pack. My name is Sasha Lilly. I'm KPFA's interim program director, and I'm really happy to be here today to ask you, our listeners, for the much-needed funds that we require, KPFA requires, to stay on the air, to stay strong and vital, to keep KPFA alive and beaming its huge signal out to northern and central California. And you can do that by calling in your pledge of support at 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. If you can afford to give $10 a month, we would be very happy to send you as a thank you gift the seven CDs of this sustainer pack. As well as Molly Ivins, you'll get his speeches by Tarek Ali, the wonderful Anglo-Pakistani public intellectual speaking in San Francisco, Howard Zinn, author of The People's History of the United States, Tim Wise, uh, you may have heard an excerpt from his speech earlier this year about racism and white privilege, uh, Michael Eric Dyson speaking in Oakland, the uh, great African-American uh, public intellectual cultural critic, Greg Pallast, who spoke earlier this year in San Jose about uh, American electoral politics. And last but not least, Wangari Matai, the Kenyan environmentalist who won the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, all of those can be yours for a mere $10 a month, for a pledge of $120 to KPFA. And you can do that. You can get it by calling one 800 439-5732 or 1-800-HEY-KPFA. In the 510 area code, that's 510-848-5732. Or again, if you are a listener in the Central Valley, if you listen to KPFA on KFCF, 1-800-439-5732. And any donations that are given in the KFCF area will actually go to support our uh, wonderful sister station, KFCF. But whatever you do, now is the moment to do it because we are in the final days of our KPFA Fall Fund Drive. We have some ground to make up, although I'm very confident that we can do it, but we can only do it with your pledge of support to KPFA. Uh, this sustainer pack is terrific. It's just packed full of information, and uh, you get it's kind of actually a bargain as these things go. Uh, $120 gets you these seven speeches. Of course, the most important thank you gift is the free flow, unfettered flow of information, of arts programming, of cultural programming, of music from all over the world, of uh, Biting, public affairs, incisive news, all of that you get on KPFA seven days a week, 365 days a year. If that's important to you, please show us now in a very tangible way by pledging your support to KPFA. And if you get cable, uh, I believe that the one of the um, cheaper forms of cable is costs $50 a month. If you uh, think that KPFA is worth the equivalent of that to you or maybe even more, 
a mere ten dollars a month gets you kpfa 365 days a year 1-800-439-5732 or 1-800-HEY-KPFA are the numbers to call please do call and pledge your support right now because we certainly need it and uh, we know that you are out there for us you have been out there you've come out in the streets for us so many times you've kept us alive you've kept us vital you've kept us un uh, independent and not beholden to commercial interests but the only way it works is time and again that we come to you and have you renew that pledge to us that uh, really important relationship that we have with you our listener sponsors we are beholden to no one but you uh, but to continue we need your your support 1-800-439-5732 that's 1-800-HEY-KPFA please pledge and get the uh, KPFA sustainer pack seven CDs for $120 pledge at, with a just chock full of fascinating information from some of the most important thinkers, uh, public intellectuals of our time. Uh, they are instant classics. And um, now is the time to pledge your support and get them and let us know that you are out there, that you really care about this institution, KPFA, that you want to stand up for it in your way, uh, become an activist of um, a very specific kind by supporting us financially. When you think about all of the different causes out there, there are many single issues that I think are very important. But if you give your money to KPFA, you're not just giving money to put out one issue or let people know about one cause. It's the mechanism for um, alerting people to hundreds or thousands of different causes to amplify that message, to beam it out to uh, Northern and Central California. KPFA signal reaches an area the size of of some countries. It's an, one of the only mass media that the left has. It's incredibly important and it can only be here. We can only be here because you're here for us. 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-KKPFA. We have about four minutes left uh, and uh, we have some quite a bit of money that we need to make in the next four minutes. Uh, I know that we can do it with your pledge of support. Joining KPFA is a, a pretty fabulous thing. We have been here for 58 years because tens of thousands of people like you said, yeah, I, I believe in this institution. I think this is there's nothing like it, and I know that it can't be here without me, without me moving from inaction to action to become an activist of that sort, to be able to step up and say, yes, KPFA matters, and to finally, because most listeners do in fact um, listen without pledging their support to make that step to move from just being a listener to being a listener member, a sustainer is a really incredible thing. It feels great. You join the KPFA family, you become part of this amazing community, and uh, I just I, it's it's a it's a phenomenal thing. There's a sense of collectivity that I think is vital, is missing in a lot of our world, and it's something KPFA offers. 1-800-439-5732 or 1-800-HEY-KPFA are the numbers to call to get the sustainer pack. If you can afford to just pony up $120 in one go, uh, we'd be happy to send you the 7-CD set right away. You can also break it down into 10 monthly installments. Talk to our phone volunteers about electronic funds transfer. It's fast, it's easy, it's safe. You can also pledge securely online at kpfa.org. It saves us money. You can leave us a message about uh, what programming you particularly value. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. We know we have listeners all over the country, all over California, and all over the world. I know we have listeners in the Philippines, in South Africa, in India. It would be great to be able to hear from you right now. But however you do it, now is the time to do it. So please... Uh, 
call your support to us right now, 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Speaks about the politics of fear, how uh, the evangelical, right-wing evangelical Christian movement has mobilized people based on this notion of of fear that the world can be made safer if other people are constrained in various ways, if the Constitution is overruled. KPFA is about something different. We, I think, are about the politics of hope, of openness, of the flow of uh, information, of culture, of so many different perspectives, and perspectives that if KPFA didn't exist, may n- would possibly not get a hearing. I, I would say there's a whole range of topics that one would not hear about in the mass media if not for KPFA and Pacifica. So please consider going to your phone and keeping that sort of forum alive. 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA. We have about... 60 seconds left. I'd like to try and get two more people over to the phones to pledge your support to let us know that you are out there, that you want to stand up for KPFA, that in this very concrete way, you want to show your support for the work that is done here by hundreds of uh, programmers, paid, unpaid. Uh, The work that goes into what we do is incredibly extensive, but we need to be able to keep the lights on. We need to be able to pay our bills. Uh, we need to keep our transmitter running. There's so much, uh, so many costs that go into a radio station, and yet we run on a shoestring, but whatever we run on, we need it now, and we can only get it from you. 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA. In your, if you're in the East Bay, 510-848-5732. And now we uh, must... Um, Switch gears. I want to thank everyone who's called and pledged in the last uh, half hour. We really appreciate your support. But uh, now is the time for Free Speech Radio News.